welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. You know, um, I was thinking about Christmas and most of the time for us, it's a beautiful time. And so can I encourage you all to cherish the time that you have at Christmas? It's really important. And whatever stage you're in, to acknowledge and see the good and celebrate it as much as you can, while you can. Lately, I've been people watching and people watching is even more fascinating at Christmas time, especially at the shops. You see all sorts, am I right? But you know what I've noticed? I've noticed a lot of parents really stressed out, filling trolleys with massive toys, you know, and look, we all do it. But I've also noticed online, a lot of mums are on forums and they're complaining about the fact that they can't give their kids everything they want to give them, that they can't give them that toy or, you know, they're not financially able to. And can I just say, as a side note, as a teacher, the biggest complaint I hear from kids is not the toy that they didn't get or the game they wanted, but that mum and dad are too busy and no one spends time with them. And I'm being really honest, that's what they say about mum and dad are too busy for me. And when you think about that, we all get busy, don't we, as parents? And sometimes we do forget to spend the time. But I was thinking about my childhood and Christmas time. And I don't remember a lot of the gifts I got. You know, there might be a few that stand out, but in general, Christmas for me was about family. But also my mum, if you know her, is a very crafty woman. I don't mean crafty. (laughs) (laughs) Crafty as in she makes things. I don't know where she is. She's somewhere here. I can see her laughing. She hand makes beautiful things. So when we were kids, Mum made an Advent calendar that had pockets and each day one of us four would have a Bible question to answer because it had to have a spiritual element. That's my Mum too. And then we'd get a prize and we lived for this calendar. Can I tell you, we were ready and waiting. And my Mum's now passed it on to me and I do it with my two. Turns out it's not as much fun as an adult (laughs) putting a prize in and thinking of a, a new Bible question for your kids every day, but it's worth it. It's made a memory with my kids and it's stuck with me from my childhood too. And like I said, I loved being with my family as a kid. And all of us looked forward to, you know, being with our cousins for the whole day, running around, having food together. And I just wanted to say this, this is not really, well, it is to do with my word, kind of off track, but all of us want to give our children the best. But what if the best isn't presents? You know, the best is time. The best is traditions that we set for ourselves. And it doesn't matter the financial situation you're in, you can give time and you can set traditions. Amen. All right, so all that to say, thank you, Mum. I love Christmas and you are the the biggest part of that. A lot of that's been set for me and now I get to carry it on with my two. Shall we pray? Let's go. Lord, I thank You for the Word. I thank You that it comes alive as we speak it. And Lord, as I speak it today, it will be Your words and not mine, that it will come alive and people will see Your Son as He was meant to be seen, as the star to follow, more than just a direction, Lord, but our compass for life. I thank You, Lord, as I speak people's hearts will be turned towards you this Christmas time. Amen. You know, when I thought about this theme, A Star Is Born, the significance wasn't lost on me. I thought about Jesus coming. He didn't come as a fully grown man, he came as a child, as a baby. And at Christmas time, we celebrate children the most, don't we? It is all about them and the joy they get from it. But there was a reason He was sent as a baby, probably many reasons. And, you know, I think we see the impact that he had on his parents, even as a child, and other people around him saw who he was very early on. You know, when you think about Mary, there was this young virgin girl and she gets pregnant. And I'm sure that was a difficult moment for her. She's told of a supernatural pregnancy. And that would have taken all of her faith to not only 
believe that, but then to celebrate it, what was about to happen to her. And then she has this young fiance who now has to embrace being the father of the Son of God. You know, I think we underestimate the pressure that was on these new parents. We think we have it hard when we have a baby. These people are like, oh, you know, I've got the Son of God. How do I raise Him? <laughs> no, but you seriously, you think about that. That's pressure. Got to do it well. You don't want to stuff up the Son of God for life. <laughs> but you know, the Son of God was ready to arrive and there was no place for Him. So there's another challenge. They're wandering around these young parents thinking, where am I going to have this baby? And then this miraculous baby comes and he has visits from shepherds and wise men. And I'm sure the parents are starting to notice there's something different about him. Then they're told in a vision to leave the area, you know, that the babies are going to be killed. So things start to set in motion. The prophecies start to be fulfilled in his life. And I think they started to see the significance of who he'd grow up to be too. Not just the baby that he was, but the man that he would become. And in the Word, it doesn't say a lot about his childhood, but it skips ahead to a 12-year-old Jesus who gets lost on a family trip. And it says that Mary was frustrated with her son when she found him. She wasn't happy that he had run off. But when she saw him, he was listening and he was asking questions of teachers that were far beyond his years and his understanding. And it said she marvelled at what her son knew and what he was capable of. And all we have those moments as parents, don't we? Proud moments, but it was nothing like this because she saw the destiny that was set in her son. So today I'm gonna point you back to a very special child and the things he did. I want us to look at him and understand that he didn't wait for an appropriate age to fulfil that destiny or to influence or make a difference. He knew who he was when he came. And if we're able to follow his example in our lives, we'll make the same difference on this world. Amen. You know, even before Jesus came to the earth, there were many prophecies that told of His arrival. The Word is scattered with them. And this passage we're about to read from has a particular background. Now it's about a king and it's King Ahaz. And in those times, there were lots of wars going on. And he is really worried about an attack that he thinks is going to happen. He's fearful about this attack. So God sends His prophet Isaiah to give him a word and He sends it to reassure him, to say, you know what, don't worry, this invasion will not happen. But He also says at the end of the prophecy, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. So He's telling the king, you know what, you have to begin this journey of faith and then I will start to help you stand firm in it. But after he receives the word, Isaiah then says to him, ask God for confirmation of what I've just said. But Ahaz refuses. He says, I won't test God like that. And Isaiah gets very frustrated. And he says this, fine. Well, he doesn't say fine, but that's my ad living. Isaiah 7, 14, he says, all right then. All right then, it's pretty much fine. The Lord will give you Himself the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, around this part of the prophecy, there is reassurance. Again, your your fears of the attack are not going to happen. Look what you're going to go into. The land will be filled with milk and honey. This child is going to bring blessings. There's a lot more to it than just that statement. But God uses the situation to foretell the coming of Jesus. Why does He do this? Because He wants to point His people back to what really matters. How many times, I don't know about you, but are we mired down in our own battles or the battles we fear are about to happen that we forget to look up and see Jesus? 
Even when God is saying, hey, I want to say something to you. I've got a word for you. We're like, it's okay, God. I'm not gonna doubt you in my time of trouble. Instead, I'll sort my own problems out. We forget to look up and trust that He will give us the sign. Even when you think you're looking for something else, the sign is always Jesus. Can I say that? If you hear nothing else today, let's hope that's not the case. But if you don't, if you're only gonna listen to this, this is the part. Your sign will always be Jesus. My job is to point you back to Him today. Every situation, every problem can come back to Him. He is the only sign that you need. And I truly believe that. I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it was true. But why does God keep reminding us throughout the Word? Why does He remind us of Jesus and who He is? Was it because He thought we'd forget? Probably. But was it also because He knew and knows the power of Jesus? You see, Jesus was more than just this special baby or a prophet and even a saviour. And this is the word I love for Jesus, especially today. He is a restorer, especially at Christmas time. Some of you need to be reminded of that and you need to claim the power of restoration over you and your family. So can I encourage you to do that? If you haven't done it, claim His powers of restoration. It will make a difference. Because Christmas has to be a time where we come together, not be torn apart. Whereas people, we take on the Spirit of Christ and make peace our goal. And I don't mean peace as in, oh, I'm a doormat. I mean peace as in, I want us to be together, united as a family. That's important. And the only way to achieve it is to follow Him, is to go in His direction. Because Jesus was always meant to be a direction to follow, a compass. Just like the star that was put up for the wise men to follow, He's a clear shining path to new life. That's Jesus' job, just like the star. He points to new life every time. And I wanna take you to Matthew and give you a bit of context. The wise men have seen Herod. They know he doesn't have good plans for this baby, but they've also know that they're going to follow a star and find him for themselves. So we're gonna pick it up in chapter two, verse nine. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When, the child, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You see, the wise men understood the significance of this star. They were filled with joy because they knew where it would lead. They knew where they were going. And they also knew that without it, they could not find this baby King, that this Messiah that had been prophesied, that was the only way they were going to find Him. How many times have you missed the star? You know, I was thinking about it this week. How many situations, how many people, how many opportunities are missed when you think, oh, that was God giving me that. And I missed it. I missed Him. And do you know why we miss it? Because we're not looking for Him. We're not looking for the star. We're not saying, I know where that's going to lead me. And that's what the wise men were very aware of. And we need to be also. You know, we say Christmas is this time for us to stop and reflect. And it is. But it's also a time to look for the star and what He's doing in our lives today. You know, it's good to be reminded of what He's done in your past and in the Word, but also to look for the new ways that He's going to move. And the only way you're going to see Jesus move in a new way is to keep alert and go, that's God, there He is, that's the star, that's where I'm meant to go. Because even though He doesn't do new things, He might do old things, but He will always do them in a new way. That 2020 will not be like 2019 and you have to be ready for it. Are you with me? Yeah, Isaiah 60, verse one to three. I love this Scripture. It's something I've been thinking and meditating on. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. 
Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. You see this verse talking to Jerusalem is us, Christians. It's saying, you know, we need to actively get up, arise and shine. It's something to do. Now, for me, I'm not a morning person. Um, I've gotten better as I get older. I've learnt self-control in (laughs) many areas with my children. But I do not roll out of bed with an arise and shine mentality. It would take a lot for that to happen. It'd be easier for me to roll over and go back to sleep, especially with, you know, those nice block out blinds that don't let any light in. They're good for that. But instead, I choose to get up out of bed and seize the day. Spiritually, we're the same. If we don't rise up and take the opportunity to shine, naturally we fall back asleep into darkness. Do you know why? Because darkness is our natural state as fallen human beings. Darkness is comfortable, it's cosy and we can sleep better. Blackout blinds are there for a reason. They don't allow the light in, which gives you a better sleep. And this is why spiritually, when people say to me, oh, church is not vital for a Christian. I'm like, rubbish, it's not. (laughs) coming weekly to a place that reminds me to lift up my eyes, to arise and shine, to become more like Jesus is vital. Do you know what? It's too easy to go backwards without those reminders. Very, very easy. And let's be honest, church makes us nicer people. It should. You know that self-control I was talking about? It gets worked on here on the daily. (laughs) No, I love you all. And you know, it's not that much of a challenge. But I tell you what, it will build your character, being part of a church family, like a natural one. It will build you. And being built in the house of Christ, there is nothing better than that feeling. So this Christmas, I wanna ask you not to only look to Jesus, which is the most important part, but also to look around and see the good. To actively look and see positives in any situations that come your way. I realise that's a big ask. You're probably thinking any situation, how do I see the good in all and any? Sometimes I don't know and that's where faith kicks in because we don't always know why situations are where they are or why they're happening to us. You know, I've got here to look at that stubborn, strong-willed child and appreciate he's healthy. One day he's going to be a leader because of that strong personality. And I'm not talking about any particular child I may know, but um, yeah, that's why. (laughs) To see the physical healing that you're waiting for as an opportunity to pray with others because you understand the pain that they're going through. You're enduring it yourself. To reach out to those family members that are difficult, the ones that have hurt you, to remember those good distant times and to extend the grace that you've been given. This is actively seeking the good at Christmas time when there is always gonna be family drama and issues at Christmas. Let's say that as a side note. It brings it, brings it out in us. <laughs> Lastly, I think we should appreciate all that we have, even if it's not all that we wanted even if 2019 wasn't the year that you wanted. You know, it's, we have it and we've got the people we love around us. And if we don't have that, we get to celebrate Jesus. All of us have the opportunity to celebrate the gift of Jesus at Christmas time. And I think we underestimate it. We do it yearly, we take it for granted, but He is our gift. You see, Jesus understood our pain. He came to earth as man for a reason. So He would feel what we feel. But you see, He also had the knowledge that He would die a horrible, painful death. I wouldn't have wished that on anyone to be born knowing that you came to die like that. 
And we see Him in Matthew. And I won't read the whole thing to you today, but He's just prophesied Judas's betrayal, then Peter's denial and his own death in a short space of time. I'm guessing the mood wasn't that great at this point. Things were pretty low. So Jesus decides to go and pray and He takes the disciples with Him, but He says to them to watch and wait, but He wants two with Him. He wants to give these two a message. So He brings them and that's where we're picking up in Matthew 26. We're gonna start at verse 38. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So He's speaking to two disciples here. He doesn't tell them all how He's feeling. He just brings two in and says, this is where I'm at. Emotionally, I am weighed down with what's about to happen to me. I know I'm going to die and I'm crushed by that knowledge. And He asks them to stay and watch. He went on a little farther and bowed with His face to the ground, praying, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want Your will to be done, not mine. Then he returns to the disciples and finds them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you even watch with me for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus takes one of his last opportunities to teach his disciples something here. Like I mentioned before, our natural state is to go back to sleep, to fall back into darkness. And he's saying, keep watch. Jesus knows what's going to happen, what is ahead. The disciples don't seem to be as aware of this reality, so they fall asleep. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time. And you'll notice it says here, he said the same things again. He's distressed. You know, when you're in that mode and you just pray the same thing over and over because that's what you're experiencing right now. He knows the suffering that's about to happen. He comes back to the disciples and he says to them, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. I don't really know why he says, go ahead and sleep, then get back up. But um, that's Jesus. He's trying to say to them, I already told you this was going to happen. And now is the time. It's time to be up and ready. My time is almost up here. But you see, Jesus, he's asked three times for God to take the cup from him. He said, end my suffering. He's done that. And we do it, don't we? We pray, we say, God, take this from me, heal me, give me finances, whatever it is that we're going through at the time. But unlike us, Jesus says, not my will, but yours. If it must be, then I will drink the cup. He is willing to accept the suffering that He did not deserve to be poured out on Him for us. He's not willing to be mired down by the suffering, if you like. This week I was speaking to a lady and she was talking about health challenges with me. And she said to me, I bet you think, why me? I hadn't been thinking that at all. But guess what? I started to. You know, after you've talked to someone, they plant a seed and they go, oh, my poor, oh, my situation. You start to feel sorry for yourself. I had that victim mentality and I thought, oh, this this is not pretty, to be honest. Luckily, no one was around. But I started to pray and ask God to change that mentality and start to think about Jesus at the cross, that if, what if He had a why me mentality? Would it have changed the outcome? No, because Jesus knew He was born and His purpose was to come live His life and die. A horrible death, that's what He was here for. But would it have changed His influence and His ministry if He carried a why me mentality for His whole life? 
And I thought about that and I thought, if he lived his life, is I'm going to die anyway soon, nothing changes it, so this is how it is. Would it have changed who he was as a person? Or if he lived his life as, I'm going to die soon, nothing will change the fact, but how much will I pack into the last few years of my life? How many people will I heal, set free and disciple at that time? How many people can I draw closer to me? You see, that's what Jesus' mentality was. It wasn't why me or what's going to happen ahead. It's what can I do right now with what I have? And I guess what I'm saying is, I believe anything through Christ is possible. Any healing, I do believe it. But you may be living right now with an outcome that hasn't changed yet. And you might be saying, I don't know what to do with this. So can I encourage you to still get up, to still shine in whatever capacity that might be for you and know that He will be the lifter of your head. To believe that it's not always going to be like this. I think that's a really important thing as Christians that it won't always be like this. And that not if, but when He heals. When He heals me, this is what I will do. When He heals me, this is the life I will have. And then He will redeem and restore and your life will be made whole. Those promises are important to hold on to. I wanna share with you a story of restoration. And it's not my story to tell. I can get permission. Bob's is not, he's in kids' church. He won't care. It's about Bobby. (laughs) Usually my illustrations are about Bobby, but Bobby is a very amazing person. And it's not just because he's my husband. If you don't know him, he he doesn't have legs. He's the guy with no legs. And I have to say that every sermon because it is very vital to what I talk about. And it's more than just a joke. The guy with no legs. But the reason he has no legs, he had a car accident when he was 17. And some of you would have heard about this. For those of you that don't know, three of the other passengers, one being Christian, our pastor's son, went to be with Jesus that day. Bobby lost his legs in that moment instantly. And if he's honest, he shares this before, that he thought, why me? Why was I left here like this? He'll even say he felt like half a person. (laughs) He actually laughs about it. He is half a person, but you you know what I mean. Not just physically, but um, what's the word? Like figuratively as well. So he's, he's honest in that fact that why me? Why would this happen to, to me as a young guy? My friends are gone and here I am. What purpose could God have for me now? Well, once his outlook changed, things started to, to change for him. He saw what God could do and his life changed. Now, guess what? His legs have not been restored yet. <laughs> Surprise! There's not been that Christmas miracle, but guess what has been restored? Can I say this? His peace and His joy. If you know Bobby, you'll know he's one of the most laid back, fun-loving people ever. And he's like that at home. Legs are off, he's cruisy, he's not doing anything and he's just loving life. That's who he is. He's very at peace and comfortable with who he is now and what he looks like, legs or no legs. Secondly, his finances and career have been restored. And that's mainly happened this year for him. He's always been provided for, but this year has been a year of breakthrough for Bobby. When he was a young guy, he wanted to be in the Air Force, play sport or just do physical work. That's how he was wired. Obviously, when his legs were gone, taken, that wasn't an option anymore. And his options became very narrow, if I can be honest with you. And can I say that the climate we're living in now, as annoying as it can be with, oh, let's include everyone and, you know, like trying to make it so inclusive that it can be, whoa, full on. It actually works to his advantage. Bobby is the token disabled employee (laughs) and he embraces it. Not only embraces it, he milks it. (laughs) No, I'll tell you this as a side note. He had an interview and he said, would you like me to come to work in a wheelchair? He can walk. (laughs) So yeah, he does that. 
But do you know what? Bobby gets jobs. <laughs> and it's funny, but it's true. Bobby gets jobs not based on his education or experience, but purely favour. It's favour not only for his disability, but favour from God every time. Pastor Chris, you preached a message a few months back and you challenged us at the end to pray for something that we wanted a supernatural breakthrough in. Bobby had a job that he wanted out of. He'd wanted out of it the whole year. No opportunities were coming up, nothing suitable. And we thought nothing was happening. When an opportunity would pop up, it would say, right, to start in 2020. And the pay would always be the same or less. So I suggested, because I'm the more spiritual one in our household, (laughs) that we pray for a new job to start immediately and we pray for more pay. They were the two things I was praying for. And I got Bobby on side and we prayed together. Within a month, he got a new job and it started immediately. And it pays 40% more than his previous job. Yeah. Do you know what? That is more than we prayed for. I never would have asked God for 40% more. I would have thought I was being greedy. But do you know what? God in His generosity gave that to us, something that more than we hoped or imagined for. There are more situations I could tell you about the goodness of God in Bobby's life. There are so many things that have been amazing. But what I will say is this, what the devil means to rob, God not only uses for good, but He blesses, abundant, over and above. That 17-year-old boy that shouldn't have lived got back up. And do you know what? God blesses those that get back up. If you're a person that feels like I can't, please do get back up. If you defy the odds that are stacked against you, God will bless you. And it won't always be the way you expect. It won't be the what you planned for or hoped for. It'll be done in a different way, but it will be equally as rewarding. I am so thankful for Bobby's life, but I am thankful for what he's done with it too. That he hasn't just said, here I am alive, but I'm gonna make the most of it. God has blessed us because of it. You know, Christmas is that time where we look to our future, don't we? Especially as parents, we plan for the upcoming year and what we're going to do. So can I encourage you to include him in your plans? but not just include Him, but prioritise Him. Put Him over your career, those hopes and dreams that you had for that job. Put Him over your marriage, your relational issues. Put Him over your children and the difficulties that parenting holds. Trust Him with it. Trust Him that He'll see you through it. I love this, I've put it here. It's a thought I've been thinking about. Delight in Him, not only as Saviour, but as Lord over your whole life. Because there's so much power once you make Him Lord. I want to read this to you. This is my last Scripture. It's 1 Peter 5.10. In His kindness, God called you to share His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, He will restore, support and strengthen you and He'll place you on a firm foundation. Do you like how they say suffer for a little while? Our suffering seems a long time. But for God, it's nothing because in the space of eternity, this is a short while. And this is a promise we can hold on to no matter the trial, no matter the suffering, we get to share in His eternal glory. If you've got nothing else to hold on to, hold on to eternity, hold on to what is coming. Because in this glory, we have restoration, we have support and strength. Those three things are vital. And the struggle will no longer be real. Thank God for that. Be no more hashtags in heaven, far out. (laughs) (laughs) but rather it's going to be a thing we won't even remember. This life will be just a whisper and we go to be with Him and discover what we always were meant to be, that restoration in Christ, that baby that came to save our souls will be a reality, a Saviour and King in front of our eyes. Can you imagine that, seeing Him face to face? I can't wait for that day. You know, this is the beauty of eternity and it's the beauty for those of us that know Christ. 
This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.